The following is brought to you by Clockshelves Entertainment's sister show, MCU and Me, exploring the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the beginning in release order, starting all the way back with Iron Man 1 and going through the various pockets of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the films, TV series, then Netflix shows, and more. Check us out. It's MCU and Me, wherever you enjoy podcasts. everyone and welcome to another episode of Buffy Verse and Converse. We are starting season two. As always, I am Paul Casey and I am delighted to be joined by some of our recurring guests from season one. I'm joined by Ruth, Bill, and James once again. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, folks. I guess I'm first, huh? <laughs> so I'm Ruth. I'm Paul's mom. Hi, I'm Bill Cava. Nice to see everybody. Hello, I'm J Lo. That not has that, not, wow. not that J Lo. <laughs> that has been one of my favorite things. Okay. Uh, the last several times, uh, whether it be Buffy or Paul and all or what have you, that James and I have been on, uh, he has been throwing out all sorts of new names. And at one point, he said to me, he goes, "Oh, the next time we get we do something, I got one." And he he dropped that one on me previously, and I. I laughed for probably a good five minutes on that because I was not expecting J Lo, um, <laughs> but uh, we swang we swang from Jim to J Lo, so <laughs> <laughs> so we are here starting Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two. Uh, now, of course, uh, as has been established in the past, I have seen the series multiple times. My mother has seen the series multiple times. Bill and James are brand new to the series, and prior to this recording, both of them reached out to me and, you know, made it a point, hey, when are we starting season two? And I'm not sure if it was just because they were excited, because I know they weren't, they didn't have such a great taste in their mouths uh, post season one. Uh, the season uh, one finale, I know, was I don't want to say a letdown, but it definitely wasn't as good as it was perhaps hyped up to be based on the episodes prior to that. Um, but I know at least in James's case, it was more, I started this thing. You're not letting me binge watch this thing. So when is the next time I could watch it? Damn it. So um, before we get into the episode fully, the episode when she was bad, uh, Bill, James, what do we have any uh, initial thoughts uh, kind of season one into season two now? So I'm just going to full disclose and you're going to yell at me. I kind of started reading what's to come, like each episode's like what, like, you know, how, like when you're on Hulu and it's telling, like, it's telling you what's going to happen next. Kind of started reading a couple of those. And I just can't wait to see like the like season finale. 
Well, depending on what you know and don't know, it's probably going to be better than than what you think. I'll tell you that. And th- now, pr- now, if you remember, season one, Kiona and myself, because Kiona is not on this particular episode, but Kiona and myself, we held back on saying anything with regards to the finale because we both had said we thought it would be a, con- a satisfying conclusion, but it wasn't as good as perhaps there was going to be the buildup. But now I will tell you straight off the bat, depending on what you know and what you don't know, shame on you, by the way, depending on yeah, what I you know, and... I, know <laughs> I know nothing, <laughs> but season two finale is going to be even better than you think it's going to be. So I will say that one sh- like right up front. I'm hoping because season one was such a letdown um, going into season two. Um, well, I, I can go more in more in depth with like my stuff as I, like, as we talk, I don't want to like out the gate, just like get diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. So the only thing that I can look at, see if after watching season one, I'm like, if, if this was back, what was this? 1990 something or 1997. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have been like, yeah, all right, I'll try season two. I'll give it a shot. But knowing that it went for six, seven, how many seasons, I mean, um, it must get better. So, <laughs> obviously. And I think um, I think that this first episode of the season, it definitely it clears up some things that, you know, season one uh, sort of left behind. I know one of the questions, and we'll get into it, of course, but I know one of the questions that we sort of asked here on the podcast was, um, you know, like, why did the master's bones not turn to dust with everything else? And we got that answer, I think, here in this episode. And unlike uh, certain episodes in season one, and I know it was something that James uh, wasn't so happy with the concept of the monster of the week sort of thing. Now we are still going to have that going forward, of course, but I feel like this set up more of the tone of there's going to be an over, like more of an overarching story. And maybe it's just because I know where certain things go. Um, Now, James, obviously you said you read ahead once again, shame on you, but (laughs) Do you, do you, based off of this episode, do you get that feeling more than you did in season one in terms of that it's not, it, there is more of like an overarching story as opposed to just sort of episode of the week and the mythology is in the background? Um. So, I mean, this season, uh, first episode was pretty interesting. Um. Honestly, if season one had this much like attitude and I and like I guess you could say just like more emotion in it the MCU is ever expanding and if you didn't know we have expanded an MCU and me the podcast by clock shelves entertainment is now available on most of your major podcast platforms you can find us on Spotify Apple podcasts and more Uh, So if you aren't already following us or maybe you have some friends who are getting back into the MCU, maybe doing a deep dive uh, into some of the then Netflix shows 
like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, things like that, or maybe even they're catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, or they're just going back and watching all of the movies. Uh, Every single pocket of the MCU, of course, is uh, being covered on MCU and me, so make sure to recommend that they check us out on their favorite podcast platform, uh, MCU and me, available from Clockshelves Entertainment. Um, I probably would have enjoyed season one a lot more, but I guess you had to get with what we got from season one to get what we got in this episode of season two. If that like made sense, it, it was a absolute. Sentence. It absolutely does. Yeah. And what and I found out where sarcasm came from. <laughs> episode one of Buffy. That's where sarcasm was invented. I think. <laughs> Um, and what I'll tell you, James, very quickly is that concept of we had to be in that, you know, we had to get through season one to get season two. I I definitely think that now, you know, in a year, two years, three, whatever the case may be, when you decide, you know what, uh, you know, I want to binge watch this now because now Paul isn't, you know, <laughs> he's not making me wait, you know, week to week or several weeks in between and what have you. There's even, I mean, I, I believe Kiona said it previously, you can even potentially skip, you know, either the entirety of season one or, you know, just watch certain key episodes or what have you. I'll also say, and I know you're, you, this is a discussion for another time. The first few, and this is just my opinion, the first few episodes of The Office are that same way. I'm going to leave it at that. I know we've had that discussion many <laughs> times, and that's something that we're probably going to revisit at another time. I do want to kick it over to Ruth and say, for by the way, for those out there, yes, I call my mother Ruth more often than I call her mom because chances are if I'm talking to her directly, I don't say, hey, mom, or what have you, because I'm talking to her directly. With regards to the Ruth thing, and I think we've covered this before on past podcasts, but I'm going to just lay it out here in case there's any new listeners. I call my mother Ruth one because this is sort of, yes, like, you know, we're, this is like a family sort of thing and close friends and whatnot. But to me, it's, it's weird to be like, okay, mom, what did you think about X, Y, and Z? Also, because if we're out places with regards to her job, which we've talked about again on past uh, Paul and all episodes, things like that, um, there are about a million moms around. So if I say mom, at least half the population turns their head. So, at a, you know, many years ago, I just started saying Ruth or what have you. A lot of people think that's rude. I don't necessarily think of it that way. I'm sorry if you do. I don't think she thinks of it that way. She can answer that in a moment. But that's why for anybody out there that's wondering. But Ruth, I did want to ask you, it's been a little bit since you've actually been on the Buffy podcast. Um, I want to say maybe even the first two, three episodes of season one, and then you took a break for a little bit. Other people such as Bill came on. And this is actually, um, I, I know you two talked before recording and whatnot, but this is the first time you two have ever really like interacted. Um, by the way, Bill, no, no extra flirting with my mom. I know how you are. Um, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I'm curious, mom, Ruth, whatever you want to be called. Uh, Looking back on it, you know, because it's been a little while, I know, since you've watched this as well, sort of skipping past a lot of season one and now going right back into season two. What did you think? Um, I, I agree with the fact that it 
you have to get through season one to get to this point but it's it's laying the groundwork and stuff um it it's interesting seeing that even just from the end of season one to season two the change in buffy that everybody noticed um and it doesn't bother me that you call me ruth you know because it's been going on for a while um <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's it's interesting and it is interesting watching it again and looking back on oh my gosh how young they were like <laughs> i look at it and i'm going wow that was a long time ago absolutely um now it is not one of my fantastic facts um because i'm about to get to those in a moment but um just in terms of sort of the timeline of where this is i'll put this and i know i just said before this was 19 this would have been uh september of 1997 um but buffy has different hair than she had at the end of season one um and xander even comments on that it's shorter and more blonde and that is because over the break between seasons one and two sarah michelle geller did a part in uh scream two i believe yeah scream two where her hair is that way so they obviously just incorporated it into her character um and again we'll get into a little bit about where she's been over the summer break and whatnot but before we get there um i do uh, a thing here on the podcast for those who may not be aware uh i have my four fangtastic facts that i try to give at the beginning of each uh episode thereabout um so they are in no particular order. Uh, the Order of Aurelius, which is the master's group uh, now led by um, the anointed one, the little kid from season one. They have changed their home base from the underground church to an abandoned factory. So I think that's interesting. Obviously, the reason that they were down in the uh, the church uh, in season one was because the master was stuck there, but now they are not beholden to that place anymore. So they can uh, theoretically be uh, up in, you know, with, with more people, um, but they still have to hide where there is not a lot of, you know, sunlight or direct sunlight or what have you. So they are in uh, this abandoned factory. Now, fantastic fact. Number two, David Boreanaz who plays angel uh, finally joins the opening credits because uh, he is now officially a main character and a bonus fantastic fact he actually plays the master in this episode there's a dream sequence and whatnot where buffy sees the master and that's actually david boreanaz aka angel uh under the makeup mask thing there attacking her so i always think that's a fun little uh, anecdote in case you didn't know, we are trying to get back into the gist of doing some Lost with Friends episodes about once a month. Um, of course, available early and uninterrupted over at Content Club. Um, but we're looking at doing things like covering deleted scenes, certain character arcs, and uh, you know various uh, discussions about all sorts of bonus sort of topics with regards to Lost. Of course, as many of you may know, Lost is what brought myself and various friends 
that uh, appear on these podcasts together. It was uh, one of the flagship shows for such a long time, and realizing how important it was uh, and not being ready to remember, let go, and move on. We had to go back! So we are trying to get back into the swing of doing Lost with Friends about once a month. Uh, So uh, we've been behind a little bit, I will admit, uh, but we are trying to get back into that, like I said, available early and uninterrupted over on Content Club and then, uh, uh, again, in the main Lost with Friends feed. So go check that out. There's a few episodes available right now that you can go check out. Bonus episodes of Lost with Friends from Clock Shelves Entertainment. Um, Fantastic fact number three. Someone going to say something? Yeah, really quick. I think knowing that makes it a little bit more of like like a double whammy. Because with him playing the master in her dream, it's ironic that she says, you're the one who woke me up. Him being like David Boreanaz, being both Angel and the Master this particular episode, he woke her up in the dream as the Master, and yet he was sitting not like there at the same time. I think that's really interesting. Yes, very funny. Now, obviously, it wasn't supposed to be Angel as the Master, but, you know, yes, definitely one of those, like, if it, it's now, like, when you watch, it's like, oh, you know, maybe it's not supposed to be, like, wink-wink to us, but it is sort of like a, a thing that, like, we get as, it, like, a behind-the-scenes. Yes. <laughs> Um, this episode, and this is normally something that I cover at the end, but I'm going to say it here. I think this one is very interesting. Fantastic fact number three, this episode, uh, reached 2.9 million households in its initial airing on September 15th. But when replayed in November, it actually reached 3.1 million replays don't often get higher numbers, uh, you know, unless it's something like a big you know, event or something like that. So I think it's interesting that a few months after this was initially on and they replayed it, uh, it ended up getting an even bigger number than the first time. And then finally, fantastic fact number four, the band that plays at the bronze, Chibo Mato, uh, C-I-B-O space M-A-T-T-O, actually is a band. And I don't know if he was in the band when the songs were there, but basically... Um, the the band that's on stage is the band, and it includes member and therefore a cameo appearance by Sean Ono Lennon, child of John Lennon and Yoko Ono. He was a part of that band, and he actually makes an appearance in this episode by being with that band on stage at the Bronze. That's cool. So there's a fun little fact. Um, well, I noticed one of the things that I noticed was when they were walking around outside. I was looking and I went, Paul's been there at the, uh, at the school, at the school. Yes. Yes. Um, it's a lot small. And I've talked about this a little bit before. It is a lot smaller than you think it is. Um, in terms of the, uh, like where, so basically, and I think I've told this story before, but I'll briefly tell it again. We were out in LA for a lost event. Um, and, uh, my friend Jake and I were there, uh, they, you know, he went off elsewhere for the day and I was hanging out with our friends, Michelle and Luke got to meet another friend, uh, Angela. And I had said, I wanted to go see some filming places. I said, I wanted to go to Torrance, which is where this was, uh, um, produced. 
and we went there to the school. School was had maybe just gotten out about five, 10 minutes prior. So there were still students exiting. So I got some pictures outside the front of the building, things like that. And I ended up asking one of the students, I said, hey, there's like a like a fountain or something around here, you know, where is that at? And they said, oh, you know, go around this corner. It's in the courtyard there. And of course, as I've said before, this is also the uh, the same uh, location that the exteriors on Beverly Hills 90210 were filmed. This is uh, West Beverly High for those that have seen that show as well. Um, but it is a lot smaller than they make it seem like it is because pretty much certain aspects, certain parts of like where they were walking there, uh, basically, you're almost on like the edge of the like the camera people would have been like on the edge of the property, basically, in terms of how far away they were, because that fountain thing is like the center of that little like courtyard there. Um, so they were pretty much on the exact opposite side of where the stairs are that go up uh, into the actual school. And um, yeah, so they, the camera people would have been pretty much on the towards the edge of the property there. But uh Yes, it's always it now for me at least it's always interesting going there and seeing that. Um but it is back to school uh here in the episode. Once again, it's it's called When She Was Bad. Um we have a little bit of flirtiness between Xander and Willow, and I'm curious everyone's thoughts really on that because um there was obviously in season one, it was set up that Willow has a thing for Xander. Xander has a thing for Buffy and Buffy thinks that Xander and Willow would be a good couple, obviously, because she knows that Willow uh, has a thing for Xander. And now Buffy is gone. Xander is trying to act like he doesn't care, even though he clearly does. Um, but then there's a moment where uh, he, he gets ice cream on Willow's nose and they go to kiss before a vampire shows up. So uh, I'm curious, any of the three of you really, what are our thoughts on this uh, this little bit of uh, Xander Willow romance potentially? Um, I don't mind going first. I honestly, I'm I'm here for it. Um, I like that. Like Buffy really was annoying this episode. Like, uh, surprisingly, I actually like liked Cordelia's character for once. Um, but when it comes to like the Xander and like Willow, like they're very cutesy in the beginning. I feel like Buffy was like a, she was a block, you know, like they were like in centimeters away from kissing. And then she like just so happened to show up as well as a vampire. And I'm just like, that's annoying. And I really, I really loved like at the end where he was like, if Willow gets hurt, I will kill you. And like, the passion that he had when he said that statement, I was like, yes, I'm here for it. Like, go Willow and Xander. I'm here for it. I want you guys to be a thing. Buffy needs to be single for the rest of her life. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Bill, what do you think? I think there's always going to be some... Well, I don't know, but I, I feel there's always going to be some kind of tension in the in the triangle there between the three of them as as far as what Xander wants and what you know Buffy's playing so I think that's always going to be in play so if you haven't already 
Uh, go check out on Content Club, one of the bonus episodes we have once a month is a show called Two of Us. It features myself and my father uh, going through some different things in Beatles history. Or making some interesting discoveries along the way. Because one of the things that we uh, have with that show is I provide a lot of research and things like that. And my dad, who was alive for a lot of it, but kind of caught up later because it was happening when he was, you know, incredibly young. Uh, but he is one of the biggest Beatles fans I know. One of the biggest Beatles fans you'll probably ever meet if you get the chance to meet him, of course. But we kind of provide, it's, it's almost like, a sports commentary sort of deal where I provide some play-by-play -play and he provides the color, meaning he can provide some context and some things because he's read various uh, books, he's seen various interviews and heard various interviews and all of these things, and he has such a vast knowledge of all things Beatle-related, and we're covering some topics that aren't necessarily the major topics when it comes to the Beatles. So if you might be interested, go check it out. It's available on Content Club right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves, and it is called Two of Us, and it's us going through the long and winding road of the Beatles. But if you noticed, like, even when they were dancing, Xander didn't really seem like he, like... Oh, no, you know, his I hands mean, were, like, way out. Like, you would have thought his hands would have been all over her. But he's kind of yeah. looking at oh, her like... I think that was her whole point. She, I think her point was just to intimidate the hell out of him and just, like, well, yeah. calm them down, yeah. But, but the look on his face was, like, I don't understand what's going on, but I don't really yeah. like it. You know? Well, yeah, but, because you know, he, as much as he wants, like, it's one of those things where it's, and you see it a lot. And I know um, in the finale, we, we talked about Xander and we talked about how a lot of times uh, Xander is supposed to be the stand in for Joss Whedon. And there's all those, you know, controversial things and so on and so forth. We don't necessarily need to get into all of that. However, uh, there is, the 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 thing basically within um you know storytelling and obviously real life things like that uh one of the the best examples i saw was a meme a few years ago so in the first i believe it's in the first um austin powers movie um elizabeth hurley's character vanessa gets drunk and she tries sleeping with austin powers and he says no you're drunk it's not right and somebody put a meme together and it basically said even the the horniest person in all of movies knows that when someone is drunk they're not necessarily in their right state and you know it's not that they can't consent or what i'm not you know not to get into that whole thing but you know even even you know the the horniest person in all of cinema basically that was the joke was that you know even he knows that it's not right and i think it's something similar here with xander where it's like damn i want buffy but not like this like she's clearly and i think it was she's definitely going through something right yeah. and i think it was definitely more she's like you said she's going through something and obviously she went to him right after she had a run-in with Angel. So I think there was definitely, definitely, definitely part of that to it too, where she knew that Angel was watching, or at least she was hoping that Angel was watching, and Angel 
and Buffy and all of them know that Xander has a thing for her. So, you know, I think in, in many ways, I think she was using Xander, but I think Xander had the wherewithal to know, you know, I want her, but not like this. And I think that's what that yeah, was. Plus she's playing up to the title of, of the episode. She's being a real jerk throughout most of the episode to, to everybody. So I really feel like despite like even though like in quotations at the end, everything like went like back to normal or whatever normal is for them. <laughs> I still feel like there's that underlying like I feel like he deep down knows it and he's more emotionally tied to Willow than he is Buffy. Like it just their vibe and their like chemistry. Uh, maybe I'm reading into it more, but I'm just like that whole like you know I will kill you and like just how like you know you like held her when they got saved. The you know the whole nine yards. I feel like I'm. I, I hope that rather him and her like our actual thing and not Buffy. Well, I, I there I don't think there's any doubt that because you got to remember even before Buffy showed up we saw in the first well technically two episodes um and their friend Jesse was there as well but Xander and Willow have known each other forever and i think uh Willow comments in one of the first two episodes that her and Xander dated but then he like stole her barbie or or there was recess or something like you know something about the like basically indicating that they've known each other forever so i think that whether it be a romantic level, which I'm not disagreeing with you, James, but whether it be a romantic level, a friendship level, what have you, I think there's always going to be sort of that connection there and that he would, I'm not saying he wouldn't feel that way if somebody took Buffy or whatever, but because he's had, you know, if he's, if they're supposed to be what, like say 16, 15, let's just say for his, part of his existence for most of his life so right. you know you hurt her and i will kill you you know right. that's you know it, it's whether it's i mean he whether it's romantic love or friendship love or what have he you. loves her yeah. you know regardless and it's interesting you said about like it's it's funny when you see buffy come in and she's like at the end she's very much on the outside and not knowing how are they going to react and the fact that Willow reached out first, that she didn't make Buffy say words or do anything that shows what kind of a person she is. And then Xander followed her lead with that. You know, the, the fact that she was willing to, you know, cause she's the one who would have gotten hurt the most because Buffy knows she likes Xander and Buffy still or uh, Willow still was like, yeah, we saved you a place and we're making room for you. Yeah, yeah, because it would have been very easy for her, especially after the way that Buffy treated Xander. Well, and the just, the way that she, just the way that she treated all of them all together when she was like, I don't need to, to worry about you and I've got more important things to think about than you. Right, it, shows, were, it shows Willow's character that she still... Well, some so I I don't disagree. I definitely think it shows Willow's character. Now, some would say it's naive on Willow's part. It's like a delusional optimism almost. Well, it's the it's the desire to please. That's we see right. that in see that in Willow a lot. She right. wants people to like her, and she does things. But still, the fact that she didn't make Buffy um, 
you know, like basically, well, she didn't make Buffy apologize or anything else like that. She just willingly accepted her back and, you know, and then Xander followed her lead and was, you know, making jokes and, and things like that to kind of ease her way back into it. But like I said, you know, whether it's naivete on, on Willow's part, it still shows her character in, you know, the, the acceptance that she has. One of the other things we see, um, and it's very briefly, uh, well, we find out that, that Buffy over the summer was in Los Angeles with her father. So we do actually get to see her father again. And the last time we saw him, well, the last time we saw him, I believe, uh, was in the Nightmares episode, like the dream sequence where he basically told her that she's the reason that the parent, you know, that that he and Joyce got divorced and he doesn't really love her and all of those things. And then she talked with him at the end and, you know, found, you know, it wasn't it wasn't real. And we kind of we talked very in depth about that. Probably one of Sarah Michelle Geller's best performances. Um and uh we do see that uh you know mom and dad Joyce and Hank they actually get along. I saw a line that there was a cut line of dialogue. Give me a moment here. I'll find that. Um so when they were talking about clothing for, but you know, cause uh, Hank, you know, bought her a lot of clothing and things like that. And he said, Oh, in, in the, the, this line was cut for length of time in the episode. Hank said, Oh, I'm spoiling her. Did I forget to mention that? And Joyce responded, what you forgot is that I'm going to have to deal with another year of daddy would let me buy that. One of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, And sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course, we try to present you with who those people are across the various Clock Shelves Entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Polynol. Um, It is where I sit down uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and all, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you could find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, Sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. And I think that's very interesting. And that's a lot. I feel like a lot of parents. I'm not saying all, but I do feel like a lot of parents go through that where, uh, especially when they don't live close or what have you, it's sort of, you know, and it's funny because I see that at work with certain coworkers and things where 
somebody will say, oh, I'm not feeling well, you know, what have you, or, oh, I don't want to do this. And it's like, no, do that. And then they go to somebody else, you know, whether it be, you know, whoever's the manager on the shift or what have you. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'll find someone else to do it. And it's the, I always joke, you know, mom said no, so let me go ask dad sort of deal. And I feel like a lot of parents have something similar to that where, you know, the the weekend dads or moms, as the case may be, they try to, whether it be buy the kids love or, you know, basically make up for, for lack of a better phrase, the fact that they don't get to see them a lot of the time. Now, again, I know that's not the case. And I know here, I actually, I'm talking with three parents here. So I <laughs> may be completely out of my depth in terms of what I'm talking about. But I, I do know that that there is as, as a child of divorce let me i absolutely know that that's something that happened um one of my parents was constantly trying to buy things and it didn't work but you know because <laughs> you know that's the way that works but you know it is it is a thing that happens and it doesn't even have to be divorced parents because uh, somebody I know would do that. And, uh, she lived in a, in a family where it was her mom, her dad and her grandmother. So if her parents didn't give her what she wanted, she would go to her grandmother, you know, to manipulate the situation. Right. Um, it kind of happens. Can blames me like, but it's, it's kind of mutual. Like we both kind of do it. Like she'll, like oh well i'll tell her like my biggest thing is ari cannot have soda and if i tell her no she like gives me the side eye and, like i see her like waltzing over to her mother and she'll ask like hey mommy can i have this orange soda and like can will say yes and then like she looks at me like eyeing me down dead eye contact as she opens it up like mommy said yes so you can't do anything about it yeah <laughs> Sorry, yep. I just I know your daughter and I could yep. picture that I, exactly I, I in my head. <laughs> yep, I can absolutely see that. Yep. So it's it's great. <laughs> Wait until you turn 16 that I can kick her in her throat. No, I'm kidding. I would never. Know. <laughs> no. But um, so yeah, so we do get to see a little bit of that uh parental thing. And then of course Is that uh, what that jump was in the in the episode? What was one of them okay. kicking the other in the throat? Yes. No. In the when when the they were talking and then all of a sudden it was one spot and then it jumped for like that they were in might have been. Yeah. Actually, let me ask you uh, you two. So we were watching the episode and when Hank and Joyce are talking on our end, there was like a jump where Joyce was like at the closet and then she just like was all automatically back at the foot of the bed. Was that like our what did our Wi-Fi act up for like a split second? Do you remember that happening when you were watching it? You know, now that you mentioned that, I think I do. I'd have to go yeah. look back. Maybe I just like overlooked it. But well, because I I'm terrible with that. I noted there were a few things that happened um like production wise that like Buffy was wearing something when she was in the car talking to her mother later on in school that day that's not what she was wearing but the next day that was the shirt that she was wearing it was like mm -hmm. 
Okay, that was a bad continuity. Right. Yeah, those little things were. I, I kind of noticed that, but like I wasn't like I I was trying not to pay like I know like with older like programming, a lot of stuff they had like do like different takes of and such. So, and I've been trying to give Buffy a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt and try like to dissect it. Not yeah, as I'm much hor- because- I'm horrible with that stuff. That's <laughs> that's where Paul gets that from. Yeah. You know, like in all fairness, his dad and I have always done that where, you know, you'll notice how full a glass is and it's, you know, they drink out of it and then it's, you know, back to full again and stuff like that. You know, I, I noticed that stuff, but that jump was like, we both looked at each other and kind of went, hmm. Yeah. Was there even like we, a whoosh? Was there a whoosh sound or no? Yes. There was well, no, there was there was a there was something that was definitely, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah and it I was gotta go we back were, and check it out. We were it was funny because we watched the show at the same time, but we we're very careful not to even look at you pretty much look at each other because we didn't want to say any like we don't want to discuss it not on mm-hmm. you know, not on the podcast. Because Paul, what's your favorite comment with that? What save it? Save it for the recording. Uh-huh. Yeah, always. Oh, James knows that some, one for we, sure. We had some discussion the other day, and you and Paul's like, "Why are we not recording this?" I don't, I've given. I, I'm pretty sure I've given James that line before too. Why is this not being recorded? <laughs> at this point, Paul should just like walk around with like a hidden microphone at all times. Well, uh, our friend Jake, that that's continuously been his joke for a few years now. Is that basically if if you're talking if you're on a call with me or if something happens chances are it's going to end up being talked about on a podcast now obviously there have been several things over the last probably two three maybe four years or so that uh, certain details don't necessarily need to be out there and you know we move on from certain things and what have you but uh, it's relatively that because not on this show per se, like obviously, you know, there are certain things I try to relate to like my life or, you know, you folks relate to your lives, things like that. But uh, on a show like Paul and all, there have been many things uh, in the first few years of doing it where I was like, this is, you know, this is me. These are my friends. Like these are the, you know, this is what's going on in our lives. And then when something, you know, maybe not so great happens, it, uh, it becomes a, oh crap. Well, it becomes, but that's the thing is, do we want to, are we comfortable turning? I, like I've said it before, uh, and not, I don't want to go off on this whole thing, but when I went through uh, the breakup that I went through several years ago, um, one of the first, within that first week, and James, I, mom, I know you were, you know, you can attest as well, but I know James was like pretty much there with a lot of it as well. But I remember talking with, I believe it was Jake or Kevin and one of the first things I said within that first week, which was probably one of the worst times in my life. And I said, how, what am I going to do about the podcast? Like, how am I going to talk about this on the podcast? And one of them, I'm pretty sure it was Jake said, you know, you don't have to put everything from your life on the podcast. And I was like, well, yeah, but I've built up like, this is me. And I don't necessarily, not that I hold do or don't hold back. Cause obviously for several years, I never said like where I worked or things like that, but I was like, how am I gonna like address this? And it took a while before I did finally address it. I think on the podcast, I tried to go, you know, for a little while of, of not talking about it and what have you. So, um, it definitely, it, it can affect things and, you know, life moves on um 
I don't know why we got talking about that. That was a oh, bummer. I was literally <laughs> thinking this thing. How did that get there? Um, um, <laughs> but one of the other things that we do see, uh, what it was probably one of my favorite scenes in this episode is it's towards the beginning. Um, Giles and Principal Snyder are talking and they're walking through the little courtyard and Snyder kind of takes a few steps ahead and he says about he says all these things about you know the the boys and they become flustered around the girls and what have you and that's when Miss Callender comes back you know basically into into the school into our lives and uh Giles is completely enamored with her just as he was in season one, maybe even more so. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and all of the things, (laughs) all of the things that the principal was saying. Yep, he was the 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 stupid hormonal idiot. That's the one. Yep. You mean Mr. G, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. G, he's like, don't call me that. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um. Yeah, and then uh, we kind of talked about it before. But uh, I don't know how in depth we want to go into it. Obviously, um, we did say you know Buffy has an attitude throughout this entire episode um, with everyone. You know, Mom, Angel. Uh, it, it's to the point, and I think this is where James said like he even liked like Cordelia even basically called her out and was like, "Wow, you're being a bitch." Without saying, "Wow, you're being a bitch," like even Cordelia is calling you out on how terrible you're treating people, that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, so here's my question. So when they rescued everybody from the bronze, or not from the bronze, but when they rescued them from the factory, we see Giles and and Miss Callender. Yep. We see Willow and Xander. We see Angel. And then we see Buff. Where did Cordelia go? Honestly, I, I don't remember what she was there, wasn't she? But they didn't show her. They didn't show her once they rescued everybody. She wasn't there. Like, I think she was was there. But she, because they didn't show her. They showed the rest of them. They didn't show her. They were all standing watching Buffy lose her shit. But there was no Cordelia. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm gonna have to watch that. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't remember seeing, that being the case. I remember the uh the girl teacher like woke up Giles, they got um Willow. You're not to mention I don't remember seeing Cordelia, but like maybe she kinda like scurried off and like when she was rescued, just like ran away because when they got back to like the school, her in quotation biggest like issue was like the stains, like not being like tied up and death throat potentially slit she's like the stains like the worst thing that ever happened so maybe she just ran off is like yeah, what they're like, gonna like, go with but like i said they didn't show it so i was like that was weird because you didn't you don't see her you know what i mean like that i just thought that was like they they could have incorporated her somewhere in that because the like like paul said the fact that the one who you know called out um she's the one that called out Buffy for being a bitch and everything else and I mean how bad of a bitch do you have to be for Cordelia to tell you that right very bad like that was shocking 
Yeah. And like I said, and James, so... I feel like that's why you said maybe you you actually liked Cordelia's character here is because even she got on Buffy's case about like, wow, you're acting up. <laughs> yeah, she was definitely like the fact that like she a was a bigger part in this episode. Um, she, although in quotations has her like social status, she's still at least speaking with them. Like you can tell that she like, she's, she's, I don't want to be a part of your group, but I want to be a part of your group type of a deal. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, she's at least acknowledging them and, yes. and whatever. And like, even in the hallway, Buffy was a bitch to, to her and to everybody. And exactly. She, and then, you know, then at the bronze, what she pulled with, with, um, with Xander and, you know, like that. But like I said, it just, it just struck me as strange that she got taken. And then also it seemed at the end of the neck. And I looked, the necklace that she was wearing wasn't the same cross that she had been wearing earlier. That she was one wearing I did just notice. a plain cross. Yeah. That one. I'm actually wa watching that last scene now um, as we're talking uh, where she's, she's destroying the bones. Um, and we yeah. saw, I saw Xander and, and Willow. Um we see Giles sort of walk up. Hey everyone, it's James, recurring guest on Paul and All. Just taking the time out here to let you know about a special bonus episode of Paul and All available right now on Content Club. In it, Paul and I discuss a failed pilot, How I Met Your Dad. We were prepared for How I Met Your Father. Yes, there are two different shows. This episode will never be released in the main feed, so go check it out right now at Content Club, only at patreon.com forward slash clock shelves. Thank you. And I'm, I don't see even like Ms. Calendar isn't even, okay. Angel's walking toward her as she has the, the sledgehammer thing, but, but I, I mean, don't, least, we don't even see Ms. Calendar. Right. But they showed Ms. Calendar with Giles upstairs. No, in this, in yeah, this, because she, I'm watching it. I know, but she crawled over to him and he asked her if she was okay and then, and then you see, we see the two of them and you see uh, Xander and Willow, but you never see Cordelia. But what I'm saying they... is in when, and I, okay, that may be the case, but in this, when she's, when she's destroying the bones. Uh... Yeah. You don't see Miss Calendar then either, but, but she was at least there before that, but Cordelia, they don't show her after they were all hanging upside down and they take them off, you don't see Cordelia. It was just weird to me. But like I, I said, I noticed that, that, uh, and I don't know whether it was because her cross was inside that vamp's mouth and she didn't want to wear it or whatever, but she was definitely wearing a different cross yes. at the end. That one she I'll, had been yes. wearing throughout. That one I'll give you for sure. Um, so do we want to talk, I mean, not that we want to like break down like the, the dance that, you know, that she was doing or anything like that, but do we want to talk any more about the, uh, just the concept of she, um, she, so we said before, like, she's kind of going after Angel in terms of someone to fight with and whatnot. Um, well, yeah, she was picking a fight with everybody. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that she she then and I like I said, I know we kind of talked about it before, um, but 
just I think that encapsulates how and like Bill said, you know, she's living up to the title, you know, but that's sort of the overall thing of her being bad is she's rude to Angel right then and there. And then she's kind of just blows off Willow in terms of, you know, because I think it's Willow that says like, oh, what's up with Angel? And she's just like, you know, I don't know. I don't care, basically. And then she pulls Xander aside and then she, you know, does that dance and teases him and whatnot. We talked before about the fact that, you know, he doesn't put his hands on her or anything. And then, and then she says to him when he, she says to him uh, something about, you know, I should have, th- you know, don't you think I should have thanked you and something like that. And then she pretty much doesn't anyway thank him for saving her life. And she just waltzes off. She needs a good crack, but she, but I, I guess she was, I don't know. She trying to work out her frustration because she, she tried to get Angel to fight with her before she went into the, before she went into the bronze. Yes. She, well, she I tried think, to pick a fight with him. I think that's what it was, right? Was the fact that she, and I, I, I think this can be said about many whether it be relationships or what have you, right? Like you get hurt and then you want to hurt that person. Hurt people, hurt people. Right. But no matter what, whatever you're going to do is not, it doesn't help. You know what I mean? Like if you hurt me and then I, like it doesn't help that I hurt you back. Like it doesn't make me feel better. And I think that's what it was, right? It was like Buffy, like the master terrorized the town in season one, you know, his minions did. He killed her technically speaking. And then she kind of anticlimactically, as we kind of talked about in the season one finale, she just, you know, punches them whatever and flips them over and then he dies and then that's it and she's not satisfied with that you know what i mean like i think that's part of it i think i i i don't know whether it's she's not satisfied i think it's that she's still scared and she's kind of like a little kid acting out because she's scared and she's trying that's the way she's trying to deal with it by proving that she's tough so she, you know, jumps into the training with Giles, you know, she and she breaks the the, the training um, dummy. Um, she wants to fight with uh, she wants to fight with Angel to prove that she can. She wants to do all the things on her own to prove that she's actually tough and not the little girl who got hurt and killed. I think that's part of it, too. Yeah. On that note, definitely a badass uh, stunt double to see. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can we take a moment and talk about how the ending fight scene was very subpar? Like, the fact that, A, I think that was the first black vampire on the show. Uh, <laughs> B, he died so terribly. Like, he was running, like, he couldn't stop, avoid, dodge, like, he ran directly into the fire as if it like 
couldn't hurt him almost and then died um and then died so like it was a really bad case of overacting like just the way that he screamed as he ran and he screamed every time it was just bad acting like i don't know like what the direction was but it was just not good acting ah! yeah. it was really of, bad acting some of those bad death scenes like ah! no and also like she took her time waiting for them to come at her you know and, I, and that's another thing i think that that's what it was was that she just wanted to fight because she could have taken down half of them with a pointy stick before they even turned around, but she didn't. She waited to fight them. Well, again, I think that's, she I think that goes along fight. with. Uh, yeah, I think that goes along with what I said before. Like she didn't get the. Not that it wasn't a satisfying fight or whatever, but it was. It was very the. It was very anticlimactic. The fight with the master and whatnot, and I think that she just had more fight to give and so she you know whether it, and i don't just mean physical fighting but i think you know in terms of the the anger and you know adrenaline and all of that and i think that's why she kind of lashed out at people um i think it's also uh the fact that she was gone we don't know what happened you know the summer except for the fact that she you know bought stuff or you know had had her father buy stuff for her as the case may be you know whatever but tried um, shopping therapy and it didn't work right and um she came back and then all of those memories because it's very easy to compartmentalize some of that stuff when you have to you know what i mean like you go to a new location you know you um, we've all had it right where we could be going through something you know whatever it is it could even just be like the stress of your job and then you go on vacation or like even just a few months ago uh like for example bill and i took a day or whatever and we went to new york and it was and i mean i, I could i could speak for myself really but nothing else mattered like that day while i was there you know what i mean like i was hanging out with bill i was hanging out with some other people like some other friends things like that and it was like nothing else you know whether it be work or family or other friends or any of that like mattered in the moment because i was able to sort of compartmentalize like okay all of that can wait and whatever but then upon going back to sunnydale i think it all kind of flooded especially you know coming back and one of the first and things it, she sees is a vampire and well then... it's interesting though that the fact that while she was gone there weren't any vampires right that you is know? really that's you know, really I, weird that like now that you mention it sorry i mean to interrupt you that's okay obviously. but the fact that like it would have been i think the episode wouldn't have been a tad better if like it was more of like the main team running away from vampires the entire summer or having to like fight them all the entire because for the ritual to work, they needed people who were around the master when he died to, you know, revive him and et cetera. But it's like the entire summer, like no one until like Buffy comes back, like they weren't targets at all. 
like when you think about the episode and like you replay it um when you replay it in your head it's like if they needed them to be like to revive the master then it's like it would have been more logical to do it while the slayer was away and like her returns like the master being there like that would have been a better episode well i part of me part of me wonders if so at so at when buffy comes back they she said either she said or willow offered up the information of where the master's bones are Hi friends, this is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties as well as festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, justplaincrazyfaceart.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18-plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world, so even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are. Feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area. So I wonder if, one, they didn't know until it was said, maybe somebody, you know, maybe they it was overheard, or two, maybe both even, but two, um, I don't, I find it hard to believe that there were no, like, attacks or anything like that. I just wonder if the, the whatever, the, well, the Order of Aurelius, that's what the, the group is called, the bad guy group. But I just wonder if they were basically rebuilding their ranks because a lot of times in something like that, when the leader is gone, you know, then, you know, everybody else is like, well, there's nothing. And yeah, there was the anointed one. But I wonder if maybe they needed to, like, build up, you know, some more faithful or something. I also wonder, this is just me literally just this popped into my head just now. I wonder if Angel was taking care of some of them you know what i mean thinking about the fact that like oh buffy's not around or whatever and i wonder if he was doing it sort of in secret without the other uh you know without xander and willow and giles knowing well see i i thought of it more as her energy called to their energy you know what i mean like because they know and that's the other thing is i don't know how they could smell like she could angel always knew where she was because he could smell her how did they not smell her to know that well, she was around? The thing, just with regards to the energy, because um, Jenny Callender, Ms. Callender, says, I thought we closed the Hellmouth. And like Giles says, the Hellmouth is closed, but the energy still radiates from it. So in terms of energies, that could definitely be what it is. But... Like I said, I just I, I I'm not saying it's not that, but I wonder if there were other factors included in that as yeah. well. But like I said, I just thought it was an interesting thing that they said, you know, kind of while she wasn't there, it wasn't happening. Yeah. But again, it could be a matter of all this was happening before and nobody knew it until she came there. And then they saw it because because it's been said before 
humans don't want to see what they don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely talked about that in the past. You know, here. Yeah. We'll, we'll always, we'll find a reason or an excuse for things that are unusual. So, but like I said, it just was something because that's what literally they were talking about the fact that there wasn't anything that happened. And then all of a sudden Buffy's back and there's a, there's a vamp, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so personally, I can't really think of anything that we didn't cover. Is there anything? I thought from the beginning, why Giles, you thought he would have known not to bury the bones, like to do something else with them. Right. Well, he, he covered them in holy water. So yeah, I guess that he, was a precaution, yeah. you know, he and he thought, but I, my thing was, I was laughing when they were trying to dig them up and they had those stupid fake nails on and they're digging with the sides of their hands. Right, Sorry, yeah. if they're your nails, you're going to dig in with your nails. But it was just kind of funny watching them try and dig mm -hmm. with their hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody who's worn those long nails, I get it. <laughs> It was just funny to me watching them date. And then they're going, well, yeah, because they don't burn. take care of their teeth. Why would they take care of their manicure? Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but it was funny because it's like it burns, but dig anyway. You know, like, yeah. So what do we think uh, sort of now? And I, my one of my favorite parts is uh, the ending with uh, the the anointed one. You know, I, I hate that girl. Uh, after you know he's just kind of there walking through and he's there with like the the remnants of the bones and things um but what do we think about the the concept of also why did they leave the remnants of the bones there like they they were still it was still all the bones they were just crushed but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have i don't know i don't Maybe, you know, like maybe why maybe the spell doesn't work if they're if it's not cuz to be fair giles said he's never heard of the spell working in general. So maybe if the concept is, well, we have the bones, maybe it could work, but maybe if the bones aren't intact, maybe it's not even, maybe they think it's not even worth trying. Yeah. Cause I mean, logically they should have separated the bones, you know, like, yes, I don't know. Or pulverize them or something. Right. Cause it was funny because that, the minister looking guy talked about grinding Buffy down into, you know, ooze and like realistically that they should have just ground the master's bones down into goo, but whatever. I'm sorry. You were going somewhere and I interrupted. No, all I was going to say was uh, just, I'm curious, uh, Bill and Jane, I, I can't technically ask you cause mom, cause you know what happens, but yeah. Um, Bill and James, I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this concept of uh, perhaps the anointed one leading the order of Aurelius now, because for all intents and purposes, spoiler, spoiler, the master's done. Like, let's just I'm just going to say it right out there so we don't necessarily have any, you know, continuous. Well, is it going to be this week that the master's back? Like, let's just say for all intents and purposes, the master is done so that being the case what do we think about the concept of the anointed one now uh being you know whether whether we want to just say 
the leader of the order of Aurelius or, you know, the, the next big bad or, or what have you. I don't, I don't buy it. There's gotta be somebody else coming down the pike. <laughs> he really doesn't, um, he doesn't intimidate me in any way. So it's like, I think it's like just weird. It's like, he's this, this little, he's like this little, just kid. Like, yeah, but and... the thing you gotta remember is angel says he has more power <laughs> Then you realize because he controls them. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, he may not appear in uh, intimidating, but have you ever seen uh, what is it? Interview with the vampire. The person yeah. who's in charge is the little girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can't really go by. They don't look so scary. My thing to go along with what James was saying. And obviously, you know, the fact that he's the anointed one and it was prophesied and prophesied, I don't know, whatever. But there were all of these prophecies and, and all of these things. But like, if we're going to go with the concept that the master was older than all of the other vampires, he was tougher than all of the, like, theoretically, once he was finally free, he was tougher than all of the vampires, right? Like that's that was kind of established in season one. That's why he was able to do more harm to Buffy and actually for a little bit, at least give her something of a fair fight. Angel is older than the kid. And yes, the kid controls all of them, whatever. And I wonder if that's he's more powerful because he is anointed and, you know, all of these things, or if it's just sort of uh hey everyone this is the next in line this is the vice president of this uh of this company that we have here so when i'm gone he becomes the president so you all need to give him respect but wait i have a question how do we know that how do we know that the kid is older or that angel's older than the kid because the kid was turned into a vampire in one of the episodes in season one. We saw that. Yeah, like, I want to say about episode four, four or five. She okay. was like a child just on a bus. And then they did a whole ritual and they uh, they like kidnapped him, killed every, everybody on the bus. And the one guy who was like talking crazy. The guy, um, we're, the, the, like the a, red herring guy, the guy we thought it was supposed to be. Yeah, they yeah. made him like a super vamp temporarily. So that way he can, like, I think either terrorize or kill people like to make somebody else and so and so stronger. Yeah. So yeah, the kid is actually very young, and Angel he, he was just a kid. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we know that Angel's old, and he used to be one of the masters, like right hand men, aside the girl who like died. Puts, it's her name is Darla. Put some respect on it. <laughs> That's Darla. Darla. You put some respect on it. <laughs> yeah. One thing that Ken kind of pointed out, it's like. Although the series carries from, I guess you could say, what, 96 to 03, it's like one thing that kind of like, like when you, if you hold, if you put Buffy in today's vampiric standards, it's, it doesn't hold up as well. Like when, like what Bill said in the beginning of our, um, in the beginning of our podcast like when you look at it at its time frame it does it, it holds up like it makes you want to watch like all right i can see the next episode but as you guys know me and how much i like nerd out with like vampires werewolves etc it's like um 
Underworld. I, I had to think of like the movie and the actress Kate Beckinsale. It came out literally the following year after like Buffy ended. And when you look at what Underworld like brought to the table, and as I'm watching like Buffy, it's like I wish there was more of. I wish Buffy had more. I guess you can say, and we kind of we all kind of went over this like regulating, um, because everyone's like, oh, like these vampires are you know more than these vampires could potentially be more than what you're bargaining for. You're going to need help. But what I've noticed as I watch Buffy is like there's no real scaling to any of the vampires. Even the master when she fought him, there didn't seem like he should. I felt like he should have been stronger. And more like terrifying than what he right, was. But, well, first of all, you got to remember that you're only at the very beginning of season two, and they're building the genre, and the the fact that Underworld had all of everything that Buffy did to build well, from. Not, well, not only that, but you also have to remember, and I I'm not saying James that I that I do or don't agree with you because even. And I know, I think you watched the originals, but you didn't watch the Vampire Diaries and whatnot. But like, I watched both of those. Um, I know you watched True Blood. I didn't really watch. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of True Blood. But um, I get what you're saying in terms of, and this is something that you you kind of talked about a bit in season one, where there's, you know, can, can a troll take on a vampire? Which one's more, you know, more powerful? There should be like some sort of like scale or something. I think that kind of does get developed later. And I think we talked about this before, but I think it's also a matter of in terms of uh, what true blood and we'll just, I'll just throw underworld in there, what they were allowed to quote unquote, get away with in terms of film and HBO is, that going to be vastly different than what Buffy was allowed to get away with on the quote unquote teen network in the nineties. Now I don't just mean like CGI or anything like that, but I just mean it like, cause you know, HBO is subscriber based as opposed to advertiser based, but that would, but it's, it's like, so, and I think, um, I've never I've never really watched like I know a little bit but I'm pretty sure Bill can probably give give a lot more insight on this. The Sopranos is like one of the gold standards of like bad guy on TV but he's your main character and you like him and what have you. Mm-hmm. But then you watch a show like a Breaking Bad or Sons of Anarchy and they were also able to get away with a lot and push the envelope but they weren't able to do nearly as much as you could do on HBO with the Sopranos or even, you know, we'll just, once again, we'll say true blood or any of that because it's premium cable with the Sopranos versus basic cable with sons of anarchy and breaking bad. And then basic television with, you know, whatever you watch on like ABC, NBC, CBS. And you also have to remember the WB was a relative. I think WB network as it was debuted in like 94, 95, maybe even 96. So like the network itself was still in its infancy and you can get away the higher you go up in like television structure, not to get like too far in the weeds, but the more you can get away with. That's why like Game of Thrones was able to get away with so much or again, True Blood or The Sopranos or 
entourage or all of those things because they were on a subscription based cable platform even more so than again i'll just use the two examples of breaking bad sons of anarchy the shield before sons of anarchy you know what i mean things like that it's like when you watch a movie uh whether it be you know say the new we're we're in you know we're not that far removed from the new halloween movie coming out when you watch it on hbo or cinemax or what have you it's going to be as it supposed to be but when it finally gets put onto amc or fx or you know whatever they're going to cut some things out of it whether it be language or certain things of violence or what have you and then if you also watch it if it ever gets played on like an abc or nbc they're going to cut way more out of it there because the standards are different you already know with clock shelves entertainment you get great times Global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics, and many entertaining scenarios. We talk the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk failed pilots and prep for new shows. And we talk some shows that are, you know, we're looking at in retrospect. We talk with friends from all various walks of life. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's sports entertainment. And sometimes it's just pure entertainment. We are all over the country and all over the globe. We're friends. We're family. We are Clockshelves Entertainment. So I'm not saying I disagree, but I think you also have to look at that scale. If you if you took Buffy in, let's just say even 10 years ago, when the vamp like if you had put Buffy and the Vampire Diaries on at the same time, I think Buffy would have had a lot more edge to it. It was just a product of its time in that way, because I think Vampire Diaries, the originals, things like that, which is the CW, which was the successor network to the WB. It was still that teen audience. But because of everything that happened in a post 9-11 world where like, you know what I mean? Like our generation, like watched as children. I'm not saying that, you know the adults didn't deal with it too, but like we were children and we watched hundreds of thousands of people die on live television that hurt our generation like a lot. And I know we're of a diff slightly different ages, but like that hurt our generation a lot. That's why like millennials and whatnot, there's so much like weird and quote unquote wrong with us that we have then passed on to like Gen Z and all that. What is acceptable on tv at your again your different tiers basic television basic cable you know premium cable so on and what edginess is allowed is very very different because you look at a show even i'll give you another example and i think again i think bill can can kind of back me up on this as well you look at a show like a twin peaks 1990 1991 was on abc and then you look at a show that twin peaks influence like lost you know uh in 2004 and Lost would not have been able to exist. And I don't just, again, I don't mean in terms of CGI. I mean, in terms of what they were able to do, like psychologically and all of those things, you would not be able to do Lost in 1990, 1991 on ABC. But one kind of set the table for the other in terms of pushing the limit. You know, one had to walk so that you could, or one had to crawl so that you could walk and the other had, you know, walked so you could run and things like that. I think if you had taken one and put it in that next generation, like I said, if you had taken Buffy in 2009, 2010, when the Vampire Diaries started, it would have more of an edginess because 
a show like the vampire diaries had an edginess because that's what that at the time that's what the teen network quote unquote the cw wanted was more of an edgy thing but i did notice in this episode for the first different from last season there was a lot more titillation going on as far as uh i know they mentioned dream a couple of them were having dreams about each other which you know they weren't dreaming about playing baseball you know well, I'm pretty sure there were trout. bases involved, but they, they were dreaming about trout. Yeah, right. Trout. So, and there trout. was, yeah, there was some definitely some little uh, innuendos, a lot of innuendos going on, and and just the way that Buffy was dancing and everything yeah. else like that. Yeah. It, like I said, so you know, we're literally at the beginning of the second season. The first season was pretty much laying the groundwork, and it's this one is a little bit more, and the next one will be, you know what I mean? So. It's a progressive thing, but the things that came later were built on these foundations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, I do think, and I'm I'm not saying because I I do I, I think I think James is correct, like in in a certain aspect. Like I think if you took, like if you watch, and again, I'll just and I don't I've never actually I can't say I've never seen True, but I think I saw like half an episode once at my friend's house while I was waiting for Entourage to come on, which came, which was after that on, on that night of the week. But if you, if you watch Buffy side by side with true blood, which deals with a lot of the same things, vampires, witches, werewolves, all that sort of stuff. It's no pun intended, but it's literally night and day. Like you could theoretically by comparison, Buffy is like for children in comparison to what True Blood can get away with. Now, again, I'm not even saying like in terms of 10, 30 seconds of like True Blood is is straight TNA, right? Like the first, <laughs> and I'm not, but I'm not even. I wasn't even going to say in terms of like, uh, yes, in terms of that. I don't mean in terms of like the camera quality, obviously, because again, if we had taken Buffy and we put it in the 2000s or the 2010s or what have you the camera quality would be better. Like we're watching it now. I'm I'm watching it on Hulu. I'm sure you guys are as well, but it's in 16 by, or it's not in 16 by nine. It's in four by three. It's in the old standard definition. Like it looks because it was, it looks like I've like, it's recorded off of like a VHS tape that you watch at like a family party because that was the camera quality. And the we know for a fact, like the CGI and the puppetry isn't that great because again, it was 1997 and, but the budget for this was going to be even lower than something, you know, the budget for the X files, which was happening on another network at the same time. And, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But if you took the storylines of Buffy and put them in the quote unquote modern day, even if that modern day was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I think story wise, it would absolutely match up. Like it would still work, but I think it's just, there are certain things in terms of like sexuality, language, so on and so forth that Buffy couldn't do then that you could do now, 10 years ago, what have you. So I think he's I think I do think James is right. Like I said, in that aspect of you watch an episode, you know, like I'm not saying that he would show, you know, his four year old an episode of Buffy. But like I remember when I was when I was when this was on, I remember someone in our family uh, watched Buffy and 
I was, if I'm not mistaken, I wasn't really allowed to because it was like, not that it was scary, but it was like, ooh, that might be a little much. And not just because like, ooh, she danced provocatively, but like it was, for lack of a better, you know, word or phrase, it was dark in terms of what television was at that time. Well, you yeah, know what I mean? she literally frowned in the last episode. So, you know. Right. Right. Like it like that th this was quote unquote like darker and I, again I don't just mean aesthetically, but this was like darker TV like this the X-Files like these are the ones that like you want to watch if like you want like the if you know basically it's as close as you could get to watching like Freddy and Jason but on T you know on a TV scale. That has changed though. So in that way, yeah, Buffy doesn't necessarily hold up to those shows. But a lot of that progress, it's, it's, it would be like watching uh, uh, an episode of, and I know James isn't like a fan of, of like Friends or, you know, uh, Home Improvement or Roseanne or whatever. Storyline wise, yeah, those things hold up. But you put an episode of one of those shows compared to what you're allowed to like the, the like Bill said before, like the innuendo and all that that you're allowed to get away with on, on you know, comedy and stuff now. There's there there isn't really a comparison in that way. Yep. So all of that being said, was there anything that we uh, that we didn't cover in uh, this discussion of when she was bad? No, I think we've covered it all. Bill, you got any final thoughts? Uh, nope. Ready to move on to the next episode. All right. The next this episode. was just an in reintroduction of our characters. And we're ready to move on. And I believe the next episode is called, I found it here, Some Assembly Required. So uh, I'm very excited to talk about that. And um, Sounds like I a would robot. <laughs> I would have to say, and I've said it before, uh, seasons two and three are probably my top two favorite seasons of the show. And that's considering my favorite episode of the show isn't until several seasons after that. I think that speaks very highly of of how I uh, think of these two seasons. So I'm very excited about where we are headed in season two. Um, so I'd like to thank you all for being on here. Um, Ruth, Bill, James, in that order, why don't you let them know where they could find you all over social media? Yeah, I don't have a lot of social media. I'm on Facebook. You can find me there. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, same here. I'm on Facebook. Uh, actually, Instagram. You can check out Bagels and Places for some fun pictures of my bagels and uh, coffee stops. Um, but that's about it. Hi, you can reach me on Twitch. Uh, B-L-K-B-A-S-T-29. I'm Jamerson Taylor on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, I am at JPGRB on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my secondary, it's not as good as Bill's, but my secondary uh, Instagram is JPCS.PICS. Um, you can follow all of us at Clockshelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. -E um, and as I said, I'm very excited about going forward with this. Um, I know I would like to think at least that uh, Bill and James are excited as to where season two could go. I think we had some very good teasing discussions here today. Um, 
I believe season two probably ranks up there for my mother as well. So I'm excited to hear her thoughts as we continue on. Um, and of course, we're going to try to bring back some uh, fam other familiar guests in the future. And we're uh, working on having some new voices that perhaps you've never heard across any of my shows. So we are very excited about that. But for now, this has been Buffyverse and Converse, and I hope you all had a fantastic time. Take care.